Today's scripture is John chapter 14, verses 1 through 14. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am you may be also, and you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long and still you do you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me, that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. Amen. Thank you, Joyce, and hello, everyone. It is good to see you. Uh, my name is Dave. I'm the lead pastor here, and um, it's just good to be here together. I've been gone for a few weeks, and I'm um, just glad to be back. This is where I will want to be. Um, I'm just, again, glad to be here with church family and to um, get into our time. We're actually going to be back in the book of John together, so um, that'll be good. I don't want to hear any comments, positive or negatively, on we just were in a really heavy sermon series, countercultural convictions, and uh, I'm glad to be where we are now, uh, getting back into John. And um, uh, I'm just also just so, so th thankful for our church, our, our, our pastoral team. Um, Pastor Marcus, yeah, preached through the last three weeks, which were just significant shaping um, sermon, sermons for us. Um, also, if you're new or you haven't been here in a few weeks or you forgot who I am, um, first of all, that's messed up. Um, <laughs> second of all, uh, I stutter, so I just want to let you know what that is. Um, it'll kind of come in and out as, as we go. So again, go ahead and meet me, John chapter 14, and uh, I'll pray, and let's get into our time here together. Lord, we, we thank you for this moment. Thank you for your word that is given to us, uh, Lord, that you say is um, that though the grass withers and the flower fades, your word, the word of our God, um, endures forever. And, and Lord, we we pray that, um, or that, that, that you, by your Holy Spirit, will shape us in this moment now. And wherever we are coming from, different places, 
Um, I, it's, 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 it's crazy to think about how you work corporately and very specifically. And so, Lord, we are um, in awe and expectant for what you have in store in our time here together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, kicking right off here, back in John, John chapter 14, verse 1, this is Jesus speaking, and he says, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Is Jesus being dismissive here? Is Jesus being dismissive of emotions, of fears, of anxiety? He just says, don't be troubled, right? If, uh, if someone brought up a concern or a fear and someone responded with, oh, just don't, don't worry about it, how would we, would we feel about it? Well, the, the context of this is John chapter 13, where we were uh, about six weeks ago, is Jesus' disciples, his followers had just um, expressed concern and fear because Jesus says some incredible things, some really encouraging things, some profound and, uh, you know, kind things. But if we're honest, and especially if we put ourselves in the shoes of his followers at the time, he says some seemingly crazy things, right? He says stuff like, um, I'm going away and you can't come with me. And his followers who had given up everything to go with him, right? They were fishermen. They'd left their families. They'd left jobs. They'd left all kinds of different things. They'd left their entire way of life, their whole understanding of how life is lived to follow Jesus because he said, come and follow me. So they've followed him. And then now he says, "Uh, I'm going to keep going, but you can't come. And Peter, as is often the case, is like, no, Jesus, I'm with you. I'm your hide or die. Like, I, I'm with you to the end. Uh, I, I don't know about all the, these other chumps, but you can count on me. And Jesus is like, okay, first of all, no. Uh, you're you're going to actually trip over those words uh, down the road. But um, where I'm going, you can't go yet. And then he follows up with, but don't be troubled. So again, I just want us to ask, like, what is Jesus doing? How is he handling his friends, his followers, anxiety and fear. Um, I, I did some work. Those are words that are just kind of thrown around a lot in our, in our culture. Many of us, especially in the last couple of years, but also just some of us, kind of our normal understanding and kind of interaction and experience in life has to do with anxiety and fear. So I looked up um, in a medical journal um, just to help us kind of all be on the same, pl- same page here and to understand th- those words. And here's what I found. Anxiety and fear are natural human emotions. They are our body's alarm system. They occur in response to situations where we may be in danger or at risk for some kind of harm. Fear is an emotion that is experienced when we are actually in a dangerous situation, whereas anxiety It's an emotion that occurs when we expect or anticipate that something unpleasant may happen. So just to help us kind of understand these, kind of put ourselves in these shoes, as humans, our general response tends to look a couple of different ways. So one, right, we we can view this as like wrong. 
Okay, anxiety and fear we can view or treat, as especially sometimes historically in like Christian circles, is just wrong and bad all together. Right? And so imagine, though, you're in an intense situation or scenario. Imagine you're in like a wartime scenario. You're either in some kind of a combat, your, your house is getting broken into, you've experienced a car crash, um, some of us may, like some kind of an injury, and your, again, these things, your natural emotional response, your, your, your physical chemistry has done things, and you are, you are interacting with what you're experiencing, right? That's as this definition would be fear, and someone you're with is like just kicking back, you know, taking a nap, or just says, hey, don't worry, you know, be happy, just, you know, take it easy, right? Chill out. In some circumstances, that would be really unloving, really unhelpful, really unhealthy, and, and honestly, probably like dishonest, right? That would be like a, like a, like a, sociopath maybe to be in certain circumstances to be un, unhealthily or unnecessarily worked up, right? That's not right. But on the flip side, especially maybe some of us parents put ourselves in these shoes where you, something's going on, say, I don't know, in our context, a scorpion is in the house, right? Someone, one of the kids sees a scorpion and is freaking out and everyone's freaking out and the dog's freaking out and what do we do? Just calm down, just calm down, right? And how helpful is that usually? It doesn't, right? We are freaking out also, but our expression of freaking out is by telling everyone else to just calm down. And what we're actually doing is just entering in to the chaos. So we tend to either be dismissive or just get right sucked up in it. But Jesus is altogether different. He doesn't dismiss and he also doesn't get caught up in. He recognizes and acknowledges and enters into anxiety and fear. But he sheds a whole new light on it. And, and so as he's doing this, as he says, do not be troubled. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Believe. Okay, let's understand a couple of those words here together, right? Do not be troubled, but believe in your heart. Now, if you've been with, just to recap here in John, and if, you've, if you're new, you can go ahead and turn there with me now. Um, John chapter 20 Verses 30 and 31 are really important verses for the entire Bible and specifically for John. So our first sermon uh, in this whole series in John, what feels like years ago, we were back at the vineyard. This thing called COVID was just starting and um, we were kind of navigating those. And, and our first one was John chapter 20 because in that chapter, uh, the author John says, that the whole purpose of this book, and he's, he's saying John, specifically what he wrote in John, but I think also in some ways the entire Bible, the whole purpose in verse 31, this is what he says, these are written so that you may, what, believe, so you can underline that, that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Now, in our day, we hear believe, right? Don't worry, be happy, just believe, right? Not helpful to tell someone who's experiencing fear or anxiety. It seems dismissive. But belief is not just intellectual assent. It's not, I need more information. The, the word belief 
is, 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 is life-shaping paradigm. Okay, it is, it, is, it, is, it is, this is the filter through which I understand all things. It's foundational, it's fundamental. It's not just what I know, but it's what I truly in my gut. Like that, that language is also used there when, when he says in your heart, right? When in back in, in John chapter 14, when Jesus says, believe in your heart, heart isn't just have warm, fuzzy feelings, right? Like the worship team was harmonizing with each other. Nice job, by the way, that sounded great. And it was beautiful and it just sounds so neat and nice. And I'm in this warm atmosphere and I just have that good feeling right now. And that's good. So that's going to help me not be anxious or fearful. But no, heart is, again, much more. Similar to belief, heart is, is, is what I know, what I feel, what I've experienced, what I believe to be true, fundamentally, foundationally. Okay, something, something that includes but is far greater than emo- emo- emotions. So Jesus says, believe in your heart, right? And that by believing, you may have life in his name, And then back in John chapter 14, verse 1, he says, do not be troubled. Okay, that word troubled, so we understand, is not just to be, um, it's to be undone. It's to be, it's to be completely disoriented, all right? So like, if you've ever, ever experienced, um, (laughs) sorry, I uh, (laughs) had this idea. There's a game that's played where you have a blindfold on and you're spun around, whether it's different ones. I'm going back to, my mind just went back to uh, my rugby initiation at the U of A where um, this happened. And uh, I was the only person uh, getting initiated that wasn't drinking any alcohol, so it didn't work as well for me, but it was just all the more gross and unpleasant. But anyway, that's what came to mind. So it was like, get blindfolded, spun around, and then go do some kind of trick or something, right? Go, go fulfill some kind of a task. And if you've ever been in that place, it, it, when you're really disoriented like that, that's what Jesus is saying here. Do not be troubled. He's saying, pause for a moment, take stock, believe. Believe in God. Believe also in me. And then in, uh, he says, because I'm going to make a place for you. And then Thomas right? As is often the case here, Thomas in verse 5, he challenges Jesus, and he says, well, I don't, I don't know. Um, what, what do you mean? How can we know the way? And then, and then down in verses 7 through 11, um, F- Philip also, right, as we just read, kind of challenged Jesus. They're like, well, Jesus, uh, I need a little more information, right? That like, again, belief. I need more data, Looking at, looking at Corey here. Corey uses the word data a lot when we have good conversations. And right, I need more data. I need to understand more and not to throw you in the bus. It's helpful. Data is helpful and I need more information. But right now, Jesus says, no, you're not picking up what I'm, what I'm throwing down. You're not picking up the, what, I'm, what I'm telling you, okay? There's, there's more I, I have in, in store for you that, that, you're, that you're missing. And, 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 and also, I want to pause there because when we hear that right now, when you hear Jesus interacting with Thomas and Philip, when he says, no, you, you do know the way. And, and when he's talking to Philip, right, and when he, tells, when he tells Philip, no, if you know me, you know the Father. What tone are you hearing? What posture are you hearing from Jesus? My guess is for most of us, it's one of condemnation. And let me tell you, that is not Jesus. 
often we speak that way to ourselves and then we prescribe that to Jesus. In Matthew chapter 11, Jesus tells us what his posture is like, what his heart is like. He says, I'm gentle and lowly in spirit, lowly in heart. So when Jesus corrects us, it's with kindness. It is to reshape us and reorient us, but not to punish us, not to condemn us. Lord, help us never to shame us. But he says, listen, don't be troubled, not with a finger wagging, but with, but with a compassionate heart, with hands on your shoulders. And Jesus says, but be comforted. Look to him, for he is the way, the truth, and the life. So let's kind of settle in here to verse 6, where Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So Jesus says, I am there. Again, this is just something that, that we need to get kind of reacquainted to John, the author here. Um, in multiple places, this is the sixth where Jesus clearly makes a claim to be God. It's the sixth I am statement where Jesus says, I am. And so his, his detractors, people who didn't like him, would hear him say that and would, would pick up stones. They would, they would want to fight with him because they would say he's claiming to be God. In our day, like in their day, it was okay to have lots of spiritual gurus, to have lots of different maybe gods or kind of demigods as long as they're all an equal playing field and they're all kind of in the same boat and things like this. That was okay. Right? You could believe that then just like in our day. But any kind of exclusive claim, Jesus says, I am, which is the name that God gave to Moses in the Old Testament, which went, which, 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 which I am, Yahweh is, I am who I am, or I am the one to whom you will have to give an account, or as John Calvin explains it, the one with whom you have to relate, the one with whom you have to interact, the one. So Jesus says, I am, so he's claiming deity here, and he says, well, I am the way. That's in that day, like in our day, not very popular, right? The meant the same thing then as it means now. The, only, exclusive, right? He says, no one comes to the Father but through me. What, what do you think no one, no one means? No one, all right? And, um, so think of way in a couple different ways. Um, think of way as an access, like entry point, doorway, right? In, um, in uh, Acts chapter, um, in Acts chapter 4, um, this is what it is said. Now, this is Peter talking, and this is what he says. There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Okay, there's an exclusivity here to Jesus. It's, it would be unloving to say anything else, right? It's viewed as unloving, intolerant, unkind in our day. But, but it would be unloving if it's true. 
right? It would be unloving if someone said, that if someone asked you right now, how do I get to Canada? And you told them, well, get on I-19 South and just take it as far as you can go. It's not true. That's not going to take you to Canada, no matter how much you believe, no matter how much in that day they believed all roads led to Rome, no matter how much we want to believe that all paths lead, lead to the same place. It's unloving if it's true that Jesus is the way and that no one comes to the Father but through him. So in love, inclusively, kindly, Jesus makes this exclusive statement. He says, come to me, be comforted, believe in me, put your trust in me, do not be troubled, do not be undone. Jesus says, I am the way, the only way, entry point. But now also, think of it as a door, an entry point, and also as a path. Okay, way is not just the way to something, but also um, the, the experience, right? The, 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 the whole um, the whole, the whole experience, the whole relationship of walking a certain way, right? So Jesus says, I am the way. He means entry point, access point. He also means path. Life is lived, Jesus says, this way. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 16, that whole section there, um, we, we get a picture of what the Christian life looks like, of what in Matthew chapter, um, chapters 5 through 7 in the Sermon on the Mount, when Jesus is talking about the good life, where life is found, fullness of life, the way of life, not just, again, this, these ideas, but the whole picture of, of the, the way um, we are fulfilled, the, the way our hopes are met, the way we find confidence and joy and pleasure and delight and safety, and all these different things, this, this whole picture is Jesus says, this is the way life is lived. So when he says the way, here specifically, he says this, by this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. Elsewhere in James, he says, listen, if you have a faith, it will look like this. You will love. You will have self-sacrifice love. You will have um, hostility-absorbing love. You, you will take the pain on yourself for others because Jesus took your, your pain and your sickness and your sin on himself for you, so now you're freed up. So, so again, when Jesus says, I am the way, he means the only access point to be reconciled to God and also the path of life, the way of love. Jesus is the way and the truth. In John chapter 1, verses 14, in verse 14, it says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory is of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and what? Truth. And then skipping down to verse 17, it says, The law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Okay, let's be honest here, pause for a moment, that we are all looking for truth, right? Every one of us, we're looking for truth. Even people who believe it can't be found are still looking for it. There's a, there's, that's a truth statement that, oh, you can't ultimately ever find or know absolute truth. That in itself is a truth 
statement. That's a, again, that's a, that's a paradigm. And, 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 and we're all looking for it. And I, I think we are in um, some danger in our day because we think that we can look for truth everywhere. And, and we're offended by any kind of claim of where truth can be found, especially if there's only one place where truth can be found. Um, there are some of us listen to po podcasts. I listened to a ton of podcasts over the last few weeks, right? I drove a lot, listened to a lot of podcasts. Podcasts, TikTok, right? There, there are places, that, and I'm not going to be, I mean, there's some really good stuff there that can be found. But some of us just, we think whoever it is, however winsome they are, however creative they are, however good they look on it, however many likes they got, whatever it is, that's truth. And, and in some cases, we listen to places that interact with truth and what they actually are just doing is deconstructing truth. Everything is, I want to find any claim on truth and just pull it apart, tear it down, break it down to its smallest parts, and, and, and I won't be content until I, 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 I finally rest on knowing if anyone claims anything, if anything is built up, then I don't trust it and I have to pick it apart and pick holes in it. And, and, and that's one approach we have, many of us, to how we deal with truth, how we find truth. Sometimes in our day, even people will say, my truth. I'm finding my truth. Okay, so we're the ultimate authority. Others in our, I think this has happened for a long time, but there's this kind of like dark web, these kind of exclusive websites and groups and places where, oh, I find the truth. There's this, this subgroup right now that they have all, the, all this truth. They know information about the government and all the agendas out there and all the different, all the backstory and everything that's happening, the Illuminati and, you know, Dan Brown was onto something and all this stuff. And there's all this information right there. And, and, and if we just, we just have the right access and we're a part of the right groups, then we know the truth. And it's not new. In 1 Timothy and in 2 Timothy, Paul warns, followers of Jesus. He says, listen, people are gonna give you all kinds, he calls them silly myths. I love that. All kinds of silly myths. You're gonna be tempted to believe silly myths. This might be kicking a hornet's nest. I just got back, right? I don't really want to do this, but I mean, I'll just, this whole Q, QAnon phenomenon that's been out there and this whole like, oh, I've got this access. It's Gnosticism. It's modern-day Gnosticism. I've got secret, secret special knowledge that I can give you access to. It's silly myths. And then on the flip side, over here, so I just kind of equally offend all of us, right? And <laughs> uh, Paul says, th you're going to have teachers who will give you the information that will itch your ears. You're going to want to hear certain things, and, and, and there's going to be a teacher who will tell you what you want to hear. Whatever your truth is, you can find someone to affirm it. Whatever it is, no matter how crazy it is, no matter how untrue it is, you can find it if you want to. But in love, I want to tell you this. Truth is not in thoughts or ideas or abstract realities or podcasts or websites. Jesus tells us truth is a person. You want to know truth? Look to Jesus. 
press into Jesus. If you, like me, are in this crazy maker right now and you don't know what, what is up, what is down, what to believe, who to believe, look to Jesus. That his message, his invitation is that he is the way. He is the truth. And he says he is the life. Jesus said to her, John chapter 11, verse 25, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? You know who Jesus was talking to? Martha, who just lost her brother. She just saw, the, is experiencing, feeling the bitter sting of death. The loss of a brother. She's undone. Jesus himself was undone, was troubled. He wept. But he still, in this moment, understands the bigger picture. And he says, I know you're looking at death right now and you think that's the end of the story, but it's not. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he shall live. What he's talking about right here is duration of life, is, is the confidence that you and I can have that through faith in Jesus, though we may die, though we will die, yet through him we will surely live eternal life. Because Jesus died and then rose from the dead, his invitation to follow him, the call to become a Christian. If you're not a Christian here, I want to make this clear. It's, it is come and die. It's not, hey, let me just encourage you with these things. Say this magic prayer and then you'll be fine. And no, Jesus says, come and follow me. I'm going to a cross. I'm going to die on that cross. You take up your cross. Lay down your rights. Lay down your, right, your life. Lay down your, your privileges. All the things that you think give you life, lay it all down, Jesus says, and come and follow me. But he says, the exchange, what you'll get in return, is far more than you dare to imagine. You get life. You get resurrected life. You get life that doesn't have death at the end of it. That though you will die, you will surely live. But he's not only talking about duration of life. When Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, he's not just saying, this isn't just a get out of hell free card. This isn't just, um, here, say this prayer and then you can live forever. But he's also talking about quality of life. In John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus says, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly, in the full. The, all, all that you and I are looking for in life Dreams, unmet dreams, hopes, fears, desires, longings. Jesus says all these things are found not just in experiences, not in acquiring more, but in a person, in himself. Jesus says, come to me. And in this, the end of this, he, he, he explains, listen, I know you're not going to understand this because you can't. In the whole next few weeks, we'll be looking at and understanding the significance of the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, 
the full life that, that, I'm, that I'm telling you about, that you're going to experience, that I'm calling you into, well, you can't fully live it out until I send the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes and fills you and opens your hearts, he will do far more than you can dream or dare to ask or imagine. Just for a snapshot of this, look with me in, uh, in, 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 uh, down in verse 12. Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. So again, just pause there for a moment, right? His followers, his disciples had been with him when he healed people with leprosy, when he lay, raised Lazarus from the dead, right? And, and, and it's like, wait, greater works? Not necessarily in quality, but in quantity. Maybe there have been people raised from the dead, still miraculous. The Spirit can do, God can do whatever he wants to do. And I think we should be invited and encouraged to press more deeply into that too. Call out to him to do far more than we can ask or imagine to not put him in such a box that is so comfortable. But these people he's talking to, right? Peter, Jesus, no, I'm going to go with you to the end. You can't leave. I'm going with you. What? And then when he says something like this, I, you're going to do even greater works? Well, we have the privilege of looking back on the story. And though Peter will indeed deny Jesus, though they will see Jesus brutally, shamefully crucified on a cross, they will also meet Jesus raised from the dead. Then, after 40 days, they will see Jesus ascend to the right hand of God the Father, and they will be again in this place of anxiety and fear. Where are you going, Jesus? What? We put all our hope in you, then you peaced out, you left, then you came back, so we're finally excited. Then you re-traumatized us by leaving again. But guess what? Shortly after that, what happens? Peter, denying, stumbling, bumbling Peter, preaches a sermon and 5,000 people put their faith in Jesus. In that one moment, through that one sermon, more people believed in Jesus than in Jesus' entire earthly ministry. So Jesus says, you don't know the whole picture. And then he says, pray. Pray in my name, picking up in verse 13. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Now let me say, this is not a magic fo formula. We don't just slap Jesus' name on the end of a prayer and it's all of a sudden, you know, um, the, the, we got the words just right and now whatever we ask. This is again talking about in Jesus' name, it worked, it's, talking about, it's talking about position, access. We can pray. Outside of Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life, the Father would turn his back to us. But because of Jesus, because he is the way, the truth, and the life, we are able to come to the Father. We, have, we can stand positionally before God as loved, cherished children. And there's power in Jesus' name. Our prayers is, even in 
Proverbs, it says now that our, our, the desires of our hearts are now aligned with God's, that through the Spirit whom he will send, what we desire aligns with what he desires. And over times, it's this hodgepodge and mess, right, where we pray things that, that, that align with God's heart, and then sometimes unintentionally we slip stuff in there that we don't know is totally not. Um, I have journals full of those kinds of prayers. I read back to my journals and my teen years and some of them I'm like oh man I'm like wow that was more profound than like I need to be discipled by myself then like I need to learn I where's that and then other stuff I'm like oh my goodness I can't believe I said that like I hope no one ever uh, reads this you know um and, and God's big enough and good enough to accept that and he says listen I love you I see your trouble come to me so I'm going to ask you right now, I want us all to come face to face with Jesus. Right now in this moment, again, it's not just about intellectual, theological knowledge, information. We're talking about a person. As Pastor Wayne Winter up at um, Redemption Alhambra said from this, he said, the path to the place is a person. Jesus isn't abstract truth. He's a person. He's real. He's inviting you, exhorting you, calling you to himself right now. And I want to ask you, how are you troubled? In what ways are you undone? And I want to also ask you, how are you looking for another way? Another path to forgiveness, to reconciliation. How are you looking for another way in terms of another path of life. Well, I don't want to love. I don't want to lay my rights down. I don't want to um, deal with God based on his grace. I want more of a merit base. I want to keep him owing me something through my good works. How about truth? Where are you and I looking for truth outside of Jesus? Life. How and where are you looking for life outside of Jesus? Eternal life and life in terms of fulfillment of hopes, dreams, comfort, security, purpose, identity. Where are you looking for it? Athletic success, academic success, relational success. Jesus says, don't be troubled. Believe in me. Be comforted in Jesus. Let's look to him right now. For he is the way and the truth and the life. Let's pray. Father, thank you for loving us enough to send your son Jesus. Thank you for inviting us before you as children. Thank you for delighting in answering our prayers. Thank you for never dismissing our fears and anxieties. And also, Lord Jesus, thank you for not getting caught up in them. But thank you for entering into them and then calling us to turn to you, to cling to you, to be comforted by you. The way, the truth, and the life. In your name, according to your works, according to your goodness and your kindness, Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen.